0: So let's learn this Torah Whenever you learn a Torah in the Eshkaidosh I you mean know, all of the Rebbe's Sram that was, actually, was actually to learn the Swarm for these years But especially when you learn Eshkaidosh We understand We all know When it was written And how it was said Every single word of the of the Sefer Eshkaidosh is is not just uh, it's not just an idea, it's not just a word of tyra, it's a scream, it's a cry, it's, it's calling out to Hashem baruch, chizik for for Jews who are who are who are in the midst of of the uh, of the of the crumbling of their lives and and, and the Rebbe's gathering together and to, with them in, in, in Warsaw to try to give them some some chizik. So this was <clears throat> the tenth of Tammuz in 1941. And the Rebbe said this later. The, Pasek, the Pasek that he begins with the Rebbe, that he was dashing, was in the parsha, which is talking about when Moshe Rabbeinu was sending malachim, he was sending shlichim, messengers, to the king of Edom, with the request to pass through the territory on the way to Israel. So it says in Pesach, if you can read it, it's hard. It's a little bit also black over there, but it says in the Pesach, the Egyptians mistreated both our fathers and us. When we cried out to Hashem, He heard our voice. He heard our voices. That's the Pesach in the Parsha. He's Moshe Rabbeinu was reviewing the history of. Of Yitzchias Mitzrayim, of Kli Yisrael and Mitzrayim, as part of the as part of this effort to appeal to Malach Adon and he and he tells and he tells him, <clears throat> we were mistreated, we were tormented, and we cried out to Hashem, and He, and he listened. So we learned in the Mishnah. Do not be like servants, it says in Arvis, do not be like servants who serve their master in the expectation of receiving a reward. Not to be like a vodim, or a mishamshem, <coughs> a saravam, and that's the kabbal press. But be like servants who serve their master without the expectation of a reward. And let the fear of heaven be upon you. And the person should have your shemaim, avoid the, the to Hashem should be purely from your So the Rebbe says, at first glance, at first glance this would seem to address only the saintliest people who are willing to forego all expectation of reward, whether in this world or the next. It's a very, very high madrega. When the Mishnah says that we shouldn't be like Avadim who expect a reward, but we should serve Hashem. Without any expectation of reward, this Mishnah seems to be talking to the biggest, biggest tzaddik. And All of us, all of us uh, have been hoping our entire lives just to fit into the second part, or just to fit into that part, the first part, that, uh, that halavai, we should serve Hashem even though we expect a reward. I mean, that's, that's already a Madriga, but not to expect a reward seems to be talking to the biggest tzaddikim who don't care about any share in this world or in the next world. The worship of Hashem is unconditional and solely for Hashem's sake. But what ordinary person can say that he never craves a reward, either in this world or in the next? It's very hard to understand, the Rebbe says. But the Mishnah is written only for tzaddikim. The Mishnah seems to be saying that this is a requirement of every Jew, <laughs> that that we should serve Hashem's Baruch for the sake, not to be like a servant who, who doesn't expect any reward just uh, just for, because of mercy <clears throat> it is also most unlikely that an ordinary person will not from time to time think about punishment and in fear of retribution abstain from sinning or from contemplating sin and that when it comes to when it comes to the to the fear to the fear of punishment in other words the, the deterrent from sinning It's very rare How could it be That a, a person shouldn't think from time to time That That If he does something wrong That he's going to be punished And that the underlying deterrent And prevention from from sinning From doing an aver Is the fear of punishment That's a normal That's a normal That's a normal thing for a person to to strengthen himself with such a fear, with such with such a year Or that he will never feel a desire or a longing within him to learn more Torah And observe more commandments in the anticipation of a promised share in the world to come And who doesn't have an occasional thought when he's learning, when he's doing a mitzvah When he's davening Who doesn't have an occasional thought that... Uh, that as a result of this mitzvah and as a result of this Torah that that I should be able to have that I should be able to have a chaylik so this Mishnah would seem at first glance this Mishnah would seem to be addressing only big, big tzaddikim who are capable of such a purified where everything that they do is, is completely because of Mary Shumayim, is, because, is completely because of of, 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 of being an evid Hashem Rashi and the Gemara and Avadazara. So Rashi opens this up for us, and Rashi says, like servants who serve their master with the expectation of a reward, he explains, explains it as follows. Let your heart be with Hashem. As though to say, even though in the end I may not receive a reward, I still love my Creator and desire His commandments. So Rashi explains, what does this mean? It doesn't mean that I'm never allowed to think That that I'm never allowed to hope That as a result of my My mitzvahs That I'll have a chelik That's the most natural thing Or that I'll have some schar In this world or the next world It's the most natural thing And it's not unhealthy It's a natural thing I'm a big, big tzaddik And i have maybe a thought like this But it's a very normal and natural thing That a person has within them a hope That in the future That somehow this avaydah that that my mitzvahs will somehow earn for me a chelak naylo mahava. So what Rashi says. So what's the pshat in and without expectation of a reward? Rashi says an amazing thing, I mean, and it's so simple that you could just skip over it. He says even though in the, even though in the end I may not end re- I may not receive a reward, I still love my Creator and desire His commandments. What does this mean? According to this explanation, then. Every God worshipping Jew worships without expectation of a reward. Every single one of us. But but we but we but we just said a moment ago that we all do have this hope. We all have this hope for a reward, and we all think about it. So how could this be that every single Jew worships Hashem without expectation of reward? For although a person may want God to be good to him, so the Rebbe explains Rashi that of course each and every one of us We're hoping And we and we would love to see that Hashem move reward us for In this world and in the next world He does not make this a condition of his worship God forbid It's not to say that if I don't get reward And if I'm not paid That I'm finished with this business That I'm not putting up film tomorrow I'm not keeping Shabbos this week. Any person, even knowing that he will not be receiving a reward, would still be a God worshipper. You know that many of us—it's not—it's not—it's not necessarily not, it's not a silly, healthy thought. It's—it's it's most likely a very unhealthy thought. But there are many, many, many of us that—that that if somebody would stop us in the, in the street. Or if somebody would wake us up in the middle of the night and say, No, so what do you think? You have a big chaylik waiting for you in You have a big thing waiting for you in the next world? Do you expect, you know, to be greeted by Malachim singing and, and, and uh, you know, a big uh, big band and all the tzaddikim greeting you? Most of us would probably say, uh, you know, I, I, I'd rather not think about that because I know the things that I've done wrong and I don't expect... I don't expect a big Kabbalah's them. I don't expect such a nice reception. And I don't think things are going to be too good for me in the next world. And yet we get up every single day. We try to daven. We try to put on film. <clears throat> we go to shul. We try to stay away from a We try to keep mitzvahs. We try to do good things. So the Rebbe says every single Jew, even knowing that he will not be receiving a reward, even though he has this horrible thought that that what awaits him is not reward What God forbid awaits him Is chashashom The opposite of reward And a person, and a person Thinks that way That what awaits him is, is the opposite of being rewarded Still he serves Hashem Still he gets up And he, he keeps on doing he keeps on, he, he keeps on serving Hashem Yeah Rashi learns the pshat Shalom and the Kabul press It doesn't mean that you never think About a reward in the world to come Or in this world I means that's not the underlying motivation of Yavadah I mean, Hashem you want to know why? Because even though most of us feel that there's nothing but God forbid punishment Chas Hashem is not true the punishment that awaits us we still we still try we, we, it's not a condition of being Jews even though we expect God forbid in this world perhaps and certainly in the next world we, we have this thought that, that that we're not going to be rewarded Chas Hashem fakir. There are problems that await us. It doesn't prevent us. It doesn't stop us. We don't give up hope. We don't throw it away. Because even a simple Jew's avitas Hashem, the Rebbe explains Rashi. Even the avitas Hashem of a simple Jew is Shalai al-Manasal Kabbalah Kras. It's not on the condition that I'm going to get rewarded. This includes even people whose worship is a mixture of emotions fear of being punished and longing for reward. On the simplest level. Their worship is driven by fear of punishment and longing for only because <coughs> for only because they are self centered. And while their fear of punishment while and while they fear punishment and long for reward, the reality is that even if they were not promised a reward, they would still worship God. Meaning that simple people are motivated by self by self concern, and it's a very very obvious and common thing for a simple person to be self centered in such a way, to be worried about punishment, and that and that keeps us to a certain degree away from averus, and it mot- motivates us to stay away from averus. And when it comes to doing mitzvahs, this this pushes us and gives us an additional. It gives us an additional amount of energy to do a mitzvah. Why? Because we do long for reward. Because we are self-centered by nature. In other, in other words, the feeling is that we're in this for something. We don't want to. We're staying away from a verse because we don't want to get p- punished, and we're doing mitzvahs because we're longing for reward. But the bottom line is this: is what Rashi is explaining, that the pnimius, the the, the, the is that that's not what's causing us to be avdei Hashem. And even, and even if we were to know for sure that uh, that it wouldn't change things, and that God forbid, we're going to be punished and we're not going to be rewarded, even though we're so self-centered and and small, we would still be avdesha We would still we would still do the mitzvahs and try to stay. We would try to do mitzvahs and try to stay away from avares. The, the fear of punishment and the longing for reward is a motivation for for the ordinary person. It's a motivation, but it's not the condition. It motivates us because we're self centered. And we need and we need that, that we need that thought of, of God forbid of punishment and that thought of reward to to push us. But it's not a condition, God forbid, in being Avdasha. And even if that program was not available, we would still be Avdasha. The haraiz, I said before, that that on a simple level, most of us are afraid, mostly, that it's not going to be so good. And yet we continue. A person who yearns <coughs> for more highly evolved <coughs> worship, for a greater connection to Hashem, must overcome this self-centeredness. Certainly there are higher madragas And a person who is yearning for for a pure level of what is Hashem, must try to overcome this self-centeredness he must accustom himself to worshiping Hashem not for himself but for Hashem alone he must reach for a level where the fear of failure is not the fear of being punished that's not why I'm afraid of the Aveira this is the higher Madriga I'm not afraid of the Aveira because of the consequences of the Aveira I'm afraid of the Aveira because it tears me away from Hashem's Baruch that's why I'm afraid, that's a higher level what motivates me is not the fear of punishment, but what motivates me, Those old Jews would serve Hashem, but what motivates me in my avidus Hashem is not the fear of punishment, but it's the fear of being detached from Hashem. And what gets me going when it comes to being Mikai mitzvahs is not the thought of reward, although it's natural and okay for a person to think about that. But that's not what really, really gives you my kaiches in doing mitzvahs. So it gives you my kachis in doing is is because I long to be connected to the Bari, to the Creator. I want to connect to Asha. That's what he explains. He must reach for a level where the fear of failure is not a fear of being punished. And the joy of success is not the satisfaction of being rewarded, but where all emotion is for God. The ability to achieve this depends on how prepared to minimize his ego a person is. Obviously it means being it means being less self-centered a child looks at the world and everything that the child thinks about is what's in this for me how will this affect me will this help me or will this hurt me not for the pure sake of a relationship the the love of a the love of a child the love of a kid for a parent even though the parents would like to imagine that it's something which is pure and and, and, and it comes from the deepest place. For a child, it's mostly it's mostly an issue of, of self-preservation. These are the people that take care of me. I love this person. I love this person because because he uh, you know he feeds me and she, and she takes care of me. And if it would be somebody else that would be feeding the kid, that would also be okay. Slavdavka me, Slavdavka, the child the child's Love begins in, with that self centeredness Hopefully, through life we grow beyond that, and we love and we love our family and, and friends and so on purely for the sake of being attached to them and being close to them because of who they are, not because of what I need. But on the most basic level, at the most basic level, it's, it's, it's true of our relationship not only with Hashem, but it's true of our relationships we have with, with our loved ones. At on the most basic level, it comes from from Love of self. And a self-centeredness. That it's kadai for me to love this person. It's kadai for me to serve this person. But we hope to outgrow that. Much of the machlaikism <coughs> that you have between husbands and wives revolve around this issue. When people go into a marriage and each one is expecting the other to be the source of pleasure and to be the source of of life and parnassa and to be and to serve me and to serve my needs instead of a person going to marriage with with the hope of being able to draw closer to that person and to be attached to that person when when one's relationship revolves around the self and what can this person do for me we understand that there are going to be a million fights because in life that's how it is that one is very rarely satisfied And most often he's disappointed when it comes to that perspective uh, of love that grows out of self-centeredness. The vast majority of relationships begin in such a way: how this person makes me feel, how this person, how this person um, treats me, looks at me, feels about me, and so on. What can I get out of this relationship? And and then when all of those criteria are not being met for how the relationship serves me, so then it's very, very difficult to it's very difficult to continue without fights and without anger and frustration and so on. So of course of, I came to this marriage for me. And I don't find that I'm getting the things that I that I that I was promised when we were engaged and we were going out. Even if the, even if a person's wife doesn't look the way that she used to. So is a Taina. This isn't this isn't the deal that we made when when you were when you were 19, you didn't look this way I I entered into this marriage to I wanted to be married until I until 120. I wanted to be married to a 19 year old Who looks like a 19 year old and has the energy of a 19 year old? That's what I That's why I was that's why I married you because you were 19. I didn't marry you because you were 42 I married you because you're 19 But you look like you're 42 this doesn't This doesn't make me happy So we understand That of course Every relationship that we have Is, is part of our relationship with Hashem above. So a person who lives this way With a big ego And with self-centeredness He has difficulties in his relationship with Hashem He has difficulties in relationship with his relationship with, with his loved ones So our in life Is to minimize this ego Everyone can achieve some level of proficiency at living less, less self-centeredly. We could all work on this. Even if this goal cannot be achieved always, a person can accustom himself to the level of this purest worship for a number of days or hours. Even though it's very hard to be this kind of a person always, shaloy the Kabul pras, to be completely, completely for the sake of being attached to Asha. But we could all work on this and, and we, could, we could see a lot of, a lot of progress. The main components of this kind of worship are the study and physical practice of Torah. Limud Torah and Kima Mitzvahs. Through practice of the Torah and its study, which is also a physical activity, as the Gemara says, Akima's movement of his lips, is also action. Right? When you learn Torah, we spoke by this many times, that when you learn Torah, you're supposed to pronounce the words, you don't sit and read. You learn... And the movement of the lips is also an action. So what happens as a result of engaging one's body in Avadah Hashem, in Kima The body doesn't really want to do that. The body is very, very self-centered. The body is, is a heftz of self-centeredness. It exists only to please itself. That's what the body is. When one, when one forces the body to serve the Creator, when one forces his body to serve us even though the body is screaming, Chilmash, and you force the body you machniya the body machriya, you machriach, machriach the body to serve Hashem the entire body becomes tyrant a person learns to feel the needs of tyrant of worship no less than he feels his own needs and desires we've spoken about this so many times that the typical, the typical way that a person thinks is what does this mitzvah do for me? and if I can see some benefit in this mitzvah so then, all right, this 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 is a good mitzvah. Then you have other mitzvahs that are not such good mitzvahs, because it doesn't. I don't see what's in this for me when it comes to staying away from certain avyirs. So you ask a typical Jew, like, do you, what do you think about of a czar? Oh no, 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 no. And he and, and he would be son, He would die not to do that. He wouldn't be ayvad But if you but if you if you tell him like, uh, you know something that, that he doesn't that he doesn't see that it's relevant to him or that it's something which is important to him or something which is you know, if you tell him uh, you know if you tell him to stay away from looking at certain things or watching certain shows and so on even though it could be all kinds of horrible things that are, that are caused as a result of that the person's own pers- his own personal needs and desires tell him and his body tells him that this is not such a khashub, uh, it's not such a big a age means. <laughs> That a person, that a person brings his body into avodas Hashem. You bring your body into avodas Hashem. That's why when people, a lot of times people ask me, they're a very common child among people who are in work because it's a very, very obvious. It's a very obvious and difficult problem that anybody has was in the secular world. And since I've never been in that world, I really, I really can only talk about it. And that's why it's much easier for me, obviously, because I, I understand people that go through the and they have, they don't know what to do and they have to rely upon that all to try to find the to But when a person is in the secular world, when he's in, when he's in, when he's in the, in the, in the corporate world, when there's some big chasheva, uh, certainly self-centered um, lady that's some big executive and she says, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you, Mr. Katz." she puts out a hand right and he's standing there and there are ten people standing around and, he's, and you think like oh he's very and this, there goes my whole career my whole life if a person would have such a horrible thought then maybe it wouldn't be the biggest aver but a person a person a, a, a person that gives into that and says because he heard that some rabbi said someplace that you know it's mutter this, so it's not it's not just a pshat is it the biggest failure in one's in one's life of a Jew? No. But is Davkin those areas that are most difficult that a person has to train his body to be a servant of God to become a piece of tyre? That's what it is. You have to train your body to be a servant of God. And is Davkin those things that you find most difficult and most uncomfortable? It's not so hard to train your body to eat kugel tonight. But to train your body To, to, to make your body into a, a safe attire that's, That only that only serves Hashem And doesn't serve anybody else That's very hard To train your body in such a way That your body becomes a Instead of your body being just a thing of, of Self-centeredness Self-centeredness says that if I don't shake this lady's hand Then I'm going to be in trouble 99.9% of the time that's not even true That's not even true Especially, especially with somebody that's not Jewish, that they usually don't care they don't, and they respect it. If it's, if it's, that's a, if it's somebody that's, that's a little bit, you know, that's Jewish or that's even a little bit Orthodox, you could have a problem. That's certainly much more complicated with someone who's a little bit religious. But, but ko it's a concern for the self. It's worried about oneself. So, so isn't that a halacha? of a thing? We see that halacha takes into consideration such a thing. What I'm saying is to say that there could be but it's not being an Eved Hashem An Eved Hashem Is to train the body in such a way And when a person does this often enough tafk in those areas that are hard Then he no longer feels only himself That's what the Rebbe is explaining Then you begin to feel something else Because what's in it for you is not what you enjoy What's in it for you in being a Jew Is not what gives you pleasure and what you enjoy It's being attached to At At all expenses Whatever it costs Whatever whatever it's going to mean That's who I am A person learns a person to feel the needs of Torah and of worship No less than he feels his own needs and desires He no longer feels only himself And so his learning and worship are no longer performed for himself He begins to be more of a person Who is, is connected not, not, not to his own desires But to Hashem's desires and as he needs less and less of the world's approval, and as he needs less and less his body's approval, he begins to feel more the light of being a true Avadasha. That the reason that I'm doing this is, is the reason that I'm doing this is for attachment to Hashem. Not to give me pleasure. Not because I enjoy haraya Is that is that this is causing me complications. I got this I got this rich lady that's angry at me. And maybe my boss is upset with me. And maybe he's going to begin to think, why do I have a crazy, what are some crazy fanatic on my on my staff? Am I right, of my mind? Some guy says, what do you see? What do you see? Some Taliban? That's what they think of people like us. Maybe some sort of fanatic. It's a person who begins to think less of himself. It's it's well known, although it certainly is exaggerated, that in Europe the Neviyedic is those who are learning in the the Navardic yeshivas, well, there was a whole network of Neviyedic yeshivas. They had a very, very stark, very strong mahalaf and Musa that they received from the Tzadi, from the Alta, from the Vadi, that they used to do things on purpose to embarrass themselves and to humiliate themselves in public. There is truth that I spoke to some Alta Navadikas, but not, not the way that they talk about so much, but they would do certain things like that would bring upon themselves embarrassment and shame. They're going to a theater that's filled with you know, Jews. Like a Yiddish theater With the things that were not appropriate and, and, and as it was about to start They would get up and start to scream <clears throat> You know psukim and things like that And they would be thrown out In, in the street And it would be biggest busyness them, You know And, they, and they, All different kinds of things To go into a store And to And to, and to go around shopping Yes for things And to say no, I don't have any money <laughs> That's what they say And then they go What's the matter Are you crazy to throw them out of the store to feel the body less and to feel the Neshama more with this we can understand the connection made in the Mishnah quoted above do not be like servants who serve their master in the expectation of receiving a reward, but be like servants who serve their master without the expectation of reward and let the fear of heaven be upon you why does the Mishnah juxtapose the unconditional worship of Hashem and the fear of heaven Mare The Gemara asks, What is the meaning of the Pesach and tilum? You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. Earth took fright. And it was still. If the earth was frightened, if the Gemara learns is talking about Kabbalah, at the time of Kabbalah Eretz that the earth that the earth was afraid and was still (coughs) if the earth was frightened why was it still and if it was still what was it afraid of so the Gemara answers what was the earth afraid of what was going on first it was afraid and then it grew still in accordance to the teaching of Rish Lakish it was Rish Lakish who said Hashem made a condition with creation saying why was the earth so frightened by Kabbalah Tartarus everybody knows the Gemara tells us Rish Lakish says that when Hashem Created the world, there was a condition. If Yisrael accepts the Torah, you will have permanence. Hashem told the earth. This is why the earth was shaking, because the earth's entire existence was in question. When it came time for Kabbalah's Torah, the earth was shaking because the earth remembered the old condition that Hashem made at the time of creation. That Hashem said to the earth, if Yisrael accepts, earth means all earthly existence, the world. Hashem made a condition. That if Yisrael accepts the Torah, then you will have permanence. Then the earth will be able to survive. But if they refuse, I will turn you back to Tehu to Void and Chaos. And the earth knew this. That's why the earth's entire existence, the world's, the universe's entire existence was was, was awaiting the reply of the Jewish people to see whether we were going to say Nasev and Nishma, whether we were going to Macabre the Torah. Because the whole universe knew that this was a condition of creation. And if not for this, and if the not and if Avnaisal don't accept the Torah, that's it. It's the, the, we're finished. We're gone. We're gone. We are gone. need to understand why it was that only the earth took fright. Why did heaven not take similar fright? It tells us that the earth, Eretz that the earth was afraid. So what about the malachim? What about the angels? What about everything? If, if it's everything, so everything should have been afraid. Heaven is also part of creation, and it was therefore included in God's condition. The condition was the entire universe, including heaven. But it says Eretz Yer, the earth was afraid. If Yisrael chooses chose not to accept the Torah, was not heaven also doomed to avoiding chaos? That was it. It would be God alone. It was the end. It would be the end of the whole thing. So heaven should also be afraid. The fright, the fear that earth took was self-centered. It was frightened at the prospect of its own destruction. The earth means, the earth is that lower level of Shaman. Hashem, and the, earth, the earth's main concern is self-preservation, like a, like a kid. And therefore, the earth was frightened at the prospect of its own destruction. But only earth experienced this self-centered fear. The word of Hashem had passed through the heavens, purifying them, as new cause judgment to be heard from heaven. It says in the beginning of the Pasuk. So, Shemayim experiences a closeness to God. <clears throat> and because of that closeness to Hashem, there is no self-centered fear. Therefore, heaven was not afraid for its own existence. But only that Yisrael might not accept the Torah because of that clarity in heaven because of that word of Hashem that passed through Shemayim Shemayim was also concerned that Israel received the Torah and that they agreed to be Jews but it was purely for the sake of the Torah and for Hashem that Shemayim was concerned it wasn't for fear of destruction that's the madriga of, of the earth because, because he says there the Rebbe that heaven's fear was for God's sake you hear what a, what a deep shot he's saying. This is the highest love that we should be like Shamayim. You hear what that means. This is the fear of a servant serving its master without thought of reward or punishment. Again, we would all serve Hashem no matter what, even if we knew there was nothing. Because the Yid is, 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 is so holy. And he would serve Hashem even if, even if he knew that he's not getting rewarded. And even if Hashem knew he was getting punished. But the highest madriga is that shouldn't motivate us—the self-centeredness. Shouldn't. Do, what should motivate us is just the, that the word of Hashem passes through our lives, and we want to be close to We want. To, and we want. We want Hashem's will to be kept in this world. The truth is that all Jews worship God without expectation of a reward, as Rashi explained in the passage quoted above. It is just that they tend to feel their needs and their fears on their own behalf first and foremost. That's. That's that's very obvious for a, for a regular person. Even though that's not why we serve Hashem, but it it keeps us in line. And that's the first thing that we think of because we're self-centered. This is why the Mishnah ends with the words "Let the fear of heaven be upon you." Emphasizing the phrase "fear of heaven," it is admonishing us to practice heavenly fear. There's a loop shot in, in understanding the words yiras Shemaim It is admonishing us That we should have heavenly fear That our year should not be the, the fear of the earth At Kabbalah Our fear of Kabbalah to, to be Jews at Ma- Ka- Ma- Torah should be what? Should be yiras Shemaim Should be heavenly fear Fear purified by the word of God passing through it Godly fear, not earthly fear Which is nothing but fearful self-centeredness if we would think about this, if we would miss Bynum and this Torah this with the Rebbe telling us, it would help us a lot. The difference between these two is a result of the Word of God having passed through heaven. We can learn a lesson from this. If we occupy ourselves by letting Torah and practicing it, can we force our bodies? We too will be purified, because we will have become the medium through which the Word of God passes. That's what each and every one of Shaddhaven for. Not what I want to do. The mitzvahs that make me feel good, or the various that I think are not, you know, that they're bad. Let your word pass through me like the Shemayim. I, be a, I should be a himlodiker person. That the Dvar Hashem, I'm just a conduit for the Dvar Hashem, and my body is hefker to serve you Hashem. I'm not going to shake that lady's hand. I don't care if there's some hetter based upon this shach, which most poskim, of course, 99% of the poskim don't accept. But I'm, I don't care because. What motivates me is not self-centeredness. I'm Yereshamayim. I have heavenly fear. And heavenly fear is the result of the Dvar Hashem passing through me. Not some self-centered fear that's because of punishment. Because of punishment, I could say, there is a hata. I saw a religious Jew shaking him. I asked him to get there from. him. He says that, his, that their grandparents, that they have a Kabbalah, that, 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 that they are allowed to do this. Your Tehimer Shemaim Aleichem Heavenly fear means that your are to Hashem is because the Dvar Hashem passes through you like Shemaim because you know that doing that takes you away from Hashem it doesn't bring you close to Hashem and that's why you don't do it it takes you away from Hashem then like heaven we will become servants who serve their master without the expectation of a reward although in times filled with trouble for Jewish people I was suffering atones at for our sins Keep in mind who the is talking to. Although in times of filled with trouble for Jewish people, our suffering atones for our sins, it is unfortunately also true that we become more self centered. When you're going through trouble, when you're going through difficulties, not because not something like, you know, your cable TV broke down or something like that. We're in this thing. He's talking about real, real suffering. Right? So even though <coughs> that atones, that's machapra and our arveiras, it also has the way in the, of making us more self-centered. When a person suffers, he can become more self-centered. We become obsessed with a daily litany of our hurts and needs. That a person becomes obsessed with, 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 with getting his food and, 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 uh, and his own sorrows, his own problems. This is understandable. The Rebbe is not criticizing of course He said this is understandable Is it possible for a person to be hit And not feel physical pain The response of any person Forced to spend every tormented Agonized day anxious for the life Hanging by a thread before his eyes Is to become obsessed with self His worship of God Also falls to the lowest level of worship That which is centered upon himself So you see where the Rebbe is going to with this It's a pachat He's talking to Jews whose lives are being shattered, who are losing every single day. A brother, sister, a father, a mother, a child, who, who didn't have a piece of bread, who didn't know how much longer they were going to live, and he was saying, he said, we're in danger of our avoid being self-centered, if worrying only about ourselves. To fall to a low level of worship, that which is centered upon itself. With this we can understand the words of the Gemara. Bellozorah Kapa says <coughs> that Nazarites, a, a Nazir, who take an oath to forego wine are sinners because they cause themselves pain when forswearing wine. So we know that, that the Nazir, at the conclusion of his Naziras brings a, one of the offerings is a chatas. So the Gemara says because he, on some level there's a sin because he brought this upon himself to deny himself the, the, having this wine. So that's a, that's a so, khatis. Taking it face value, this makes no sense. If taking the oath of a Nazir is a sin, why does the Torah give us the Nazirite laws? I mean, if becoming a Nazir is not, is a, is not good, then why does the Torah give us the whole parish of Nazirs? If the Torah had not given us these laws, there would be no Nazir, denying themselves wine and sinning thereby. So don't give us the passion of Nazir. No Jews are going to do this, and then we don't have then no problems of people denying themselves wine and doing this sin, whatever it is. The truth is, however, he says here a very deep thing. We don't have time to go into each part of this properly. The truth is, the truth is, however, that there is always something good that comes out of pain, because experience. So, so gave us something that's going to bring upon us some pain and suffering because experiencing pain can be cleansing and can help a person distance himself from this evil inclination this is elucidated in the story t- told the famous Gemara by a nausea to Shimon Shumna Tzadik. Shumna Tzadik said Only once in my life Have I eaten the trespass offering Brought by a defiled Nazar. On one occasion A Nozir came from the south country And I saw That he had beautiful eyes And was of handsome appearance With thick dangling Pendulous locks of hair I said to him My son What possessed you to destroy Your beautiful hair Right He cut off Cut off all of his hair At the end He replied I was shepherding To my father in my town once I went to draw water from a well, and I was caught by the sight of my reflection on the water Whereupon my evil desire rushed upon me and sought to drive me from the world through sin He says I was looking at myself and the, I saw my reflection on the water And I saw how good-looking I was with my long hair and how, you know, how attractive I was I said to my Yetzirah, my I was going to take I, I all of a sudden had this thought that, I, I, that I, I, could, you know, I could accomplish a lot with my looks So I said to my evil inclination, a wretch Russia, why do you avoid yourself in a world that is not yours with one who is destined to become worms and dust? I swear that I will shave off my beautiful hair for the sake of heaven. Which is at the end of the conclusion of the Nazir, of course. That's what happens. Rabbi Shimon said, I immediately rose and kissed his head. Even though Shimon had, even though Shimon at Sadiq generally did not care for Naziris. He didn't go for that, because most of it was not in the same But here he said, I immediately rose and kissed him, his head saying, My son, may there be many Nazirim like you in your Yisrael. Of you it is written... And either a man or a woman shall separate themselves to vow an oath of an ozir to separate themselves for God. This is purely for God's sake. Even though pain atones and helps to distance one from sin, nevertheless, when the atonement comes about through the pain of Jewish people, there is in that transaction a blemish and a sin. So there he explains (coughs) pain right, cutting off the hair for him and pain for every Jew, even though it's good for you, because in certain ways it refines you. And it, and, it, and it takes you away from an obsession with the self. You become less self-centered when you go. On, you become less self-centered. On the other hand, whenever, and it's, kap- it's mechaper, but on the other hand, on the other hand, the Rebbe says such a deep thing that in most cases of Nazir, Shimon and did not go for it because that pain would cause most people to become self-centered. She says, when the atonement comes back through the pain of Jewish people, there is, a, there is in that transaction itself a blemish and a sin because pain causes a person to become self-absorbed, as explained above. Shem Natsalik saw that this nausea was completely Shem He wasn't, if it, it caused him to become less self-absorbed. And the whole thing was to take him away from his body and away from his Yetzirah. But very often what happens to a person that when he denies himself or when he's hurt or when he's going through difficulties and pain, so very often it happens that he begins to think more about himself. and becomes more self-centered. In order to awaken mercy in heaven for Yisrael, and to sweeten all the judgments, he's talking after the Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto. We must arouse within ourselves compassion for our fellow Jews. Not to think about ourselves. To be less self-centered. Not only must we give them everything we can. We also need to arouse our compassion for them. Because when we arouse mercy within ourselves, mercy is aroused in heaven. We must resist becoming accustomed to the fact that Jews are suffering. The sheer volume of Jewish suffering must not be allowed to blur or dull the compassion we feel for each individual Jew. Because when you go through such horrible, unbelievable suffering... The tendency of a person is to be wrapped up completely in himself or his family The Rebbe is calling out to them to give to other Jews To go and to be involved and to feel compassion To get not to be self-centered To be Avdeh <laughs> Hashem And to be Ere <laughs> On the contrary our heart, our heart must all but dissolve, God forbid From the bitter pain when we, that, we, that we feel for another Jew When we awaken within ourselves compassion for Jews we can accomplish two things. First, our own prayers will issue with more soul and more heart. We'll become more Avdeh Hashem. The word of Hashem will pass through us. And our davening davening will all be with much more soul and much more heart. Second, as is well known from the Svarim and from sacred literature, there are occasions when salvation has already been decreed from heaven on your soul's behalf, but tarries, but it's being held back, it's being delayed. Because it is abstract and cannot come down to this world and clothe itself in physical, practical reality. There's such a thing where there's already, where there's a Yeshua that's, that's above, but it's being held back. The Yeshua is held back. And it can't clothe itself in physical reality. So when a Jew not only knows intellectually, but also feels with the very core of his body, that he must support and help his fellows, then mercy becomes a part of his body he draws mercy and he draws into his physical world into his physical life into this day-to-day life by what by having compassion for the Jews by not being so self-centered by by lifting yourself up beyond the suffering of your body and forcing your body to feel compassion for the Jews you are able to draw yeshua into the physical world you make your body into a piece of tire when next he prays on behalf of his fellow Jews He prays with a body full of compassion Your body becomes a body that's filled with compassion Then the salvation that was stopped For want of a channel through through which to flow Finds in this person a perfect conduit You become a kli You become a piece of tire You become like Shemaim The word of Hashem passes through you And broadens to meet physical needs as well Because you force yourself physically Not to come wrapped up in your own needs For that piece of bread And you worry about another Jewish piece of bread also and the needs of another Jew, and you feel compassion and pain for other Jews, you transform your body into a chefetz of tire into a piece of Tyre and in doing so, you'll be a- you're able to draw rachman, chassadim, and to be mamtig dinim in the physical world. This is exactly what is meant in the Gemara. When Yeshua was in trouble, he sent for to the Naviyah. The Gemara tells us that he sent for Chuldah the Naviyah, even though the leading prophet of that generation of that time was Yirmiyahu so the Gemara asks but how could Yeshua himself pass over Yirmiyahu and send to her Yirmiyahu was alive Yirmiyahu was in town how could he how could he send a messenger to go find Chuldah Hanaviah when the, when the God the Navi of the generation Yirmiyahu was to be found the Gemara asks. So the members of the school of Sheila replied, because women are more compassionate. I want to get a good reading. It's a very, very beginning in understanding Navu. What do you mean? If it's Navu, it's a nevur. It has to do with the Navi. And the and how the word of Hashem passes through a Navi also. And yes, said things are looking pretty bleak. I want to hear I want to hear from a Navi and not from a Navi. I want to hear from a, I want to hear from a, a mother, not not from a father, because women are more compassionate. Women have more compassion than men because their physical bodies are more compassionate. A woman's body is trained. A mother's body is trained, and even and even before their mothers, to helping and to cleaning and to doing things in the house and to be with their mothers and so on. While the men's bodies are trained generally to be self-centered, to be more self-centered, and so and and certainly when they certainly the body of a woman that 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 bears a, that has a child in the womb, the whole the whole body is giving. We never experience a man can't experience such a thing where the body is one chesed of giving, where the woman goes through unbelievable discomfort and pain, unbelievable discomfort and pain, and 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 I, you know, I know that you know you have a woman's expecting, and and even though she, and she's having terrible pain, there's certain medications she could take, and but she won't take those medications because there's a a of a shemitza of possibility that it might not be good for my kid, and the doctor says it's all right. So the woman will suffer, the body will take unbearable pain, only for another Jew's, only for another Jew's happiness, for another Jew's health. A woman can say that will deny her body, all. All that this world offers just for the sake of her family. Kaseid. Or if a man does like one nice thing, you know, it's like a whole big thing. He wants to be honored at dinner and be written up and and have something in the, you know, a plaque and shul. And if they don't, if they don't say something about him, you know. That's why it's so hard for for a husband to get up in the middle of the night, to get something with the help of the kid, because, you know, it's very unlikely that your wife is going to tell, like, the uh, rabbi something. And, you know it's not going to be the newsletter or anything like that it's very hard and so women can more swiftly bring salvation down into this world the Rabbi says here it's an unbelievable thing because they engage their bodies they break their bodies in, in what? in being kind to other Jews so therefore they have the ability to arouse compassion in this physical world in the most amazing way so great is the power and merit of pious women that we learn in the Midrash, the women said to Naomi, Blessed is Hashem who helped Naomi and gave her salvation. Muhammad said, because those women blessed Naomi, the seed of David was not exterminated in the days of Atalayik. That the bracha of Jewish women gave her, that came out from David that even though his entire existence was, was endangered, and the whole Malchus of his David was constantly in danger. Through the, through the brachas of Jewish women, Oh, Malchus based David, how mighty is the kingdom of David and Malach, And yet it survived only because of the blessings of these pious women That's what Chazal say it's because, That the Malchus of David wouldn't have managed With all of the soldiers and all of the kachas and the tanks and the planes and Garnished Because of the brachas of, of what? Of Nashem There are two reasons for this First, as we learn in the Holy Zohar and the Zara All pious women are a level of Malchus Sovereignty The final sphere Which is also known in Kabbalah As Knesset Yisrael Eshez Chayla We already have learned this Many many times over the years That the, that last sphere of Malchus Which is Knesset Yisrael Is the feminine quality of the Shechina, Which is what? Which is Eshez Chayla HaTerz That's what all davening and Shabbos about. we spoke this, about this a thousand times The warrior bride That's the meat of David HaMalach Crown of her husband Thus the house of David based David which is also malchus, that's the name of malchus based David Is it. given permanency by the blessings of pious women who are malchus That's the eponemius Second, the Gemara quoted above says women are more compassionate The Hebrew word rachmanius That's what the Gemara says, Nosham rachmaniusen Compassionate has the root rechem Compassion or womb The womb in Hebrew of course is a rechem And nashem a rachmanius it is written that the three Hebrew letters. It is written with, with the three Hebrew letters resh, ches, and mem, rechem. The letter resh represents rechemim, which is Teferis, the sphere of divine compassion. The resh of rechem is the essence of a woman, rachmonis, and the and the and the giving that takes place already in the womb. Resh is rechemim, which is Teferis, which is compassion. Ches, the letter ches, represents chesed, the sphere of divine loving kindness. And the mem represents Malchus, the sphere of divine sovereignty. That's an amazing thing. As is well known, when the sphere of Gevura, divine withholding, influences Malchus, then judgment, judgments come into the world. Of course, we're not going to wait to go on Kabbalah now, but when Gevura, which is strictness and judgment, when that combines with Malchus, which, which connects to this physical world, which is the Srina, then we have judgments. Then Malchus is receiving through Gevura That causes judgments in the world When the sphere of Chesed Divine loving kindness Kindness influences Malchus Then loving kindness is revealed to the world Since those pious women were at the level of Malchus And were deeply compassionate They opened up Brechem Compassion womb, As we said above And compassion was revealed in the world of Malchus The children of Yisrael The entire congregation is in the parish And now listen how the Rebbe ends This is absolutely amazing We only have five minutes Fast Ne Israel, the whole Ada, came to Midbar Tzim in the first month. The people settled in Kadesh. In Kadesh Miriam died there. Miriam HaNeviyah died and was buried there. It's in the parsha. Rashi, the word there, says it is as though it was written that Miriam died at the mouth of God. P.H.M. It's an amazing Rashi. In the description of the mystical, primal human body, the Holy Zara and Elio's introductory speech, in Pasach Elio, in the Tikkun, the beginning of the Tikkun, in Pasach Elio, where he goes through the different, the right hand is Chesed, the left hand is Gvur, and so on. So it correlates the lowest spheres with the various limbs and parts of the torso. The right arm is Chesed, loving Kindness, while the left arm is Gvur, withholding. The sphere of Malchus is the mouth. And as we said above, Pious Women are Malchus, mouth. It was unnecessary to state explicitly that Miriam died at the mouth of God. That's what it means, that Miriam died at the mouth of Hashem, Pi Hashem. That's Noshem Achmoni, that's Malchus. Similarly, Rashi explains. Why is the story of the death of Miriam adjacent to the chapter con- concerning the Paraduma? Right, that's the big question. The Torah goes right f- from the story of Miriam's death to the parish of Paraduma. From Paraduma to, to Miriam's death, why? Just as animal sacrifices atone for sin, so the death of the pious is an atonement is a kapara. But why is the death of Miriam associated particularly with the laws of Paraduma and not some other animal sacrifice mentioned in Vayikra such as sinner offerings or guilt offerings? Okay, Bethsaida, we understand that the death, the death of its tzaddik, of its of tzaddik, is mecharpa, like a carbon. But there are many karbonus of Vayikra. Why did not Torah wait until to, to, to be megalodized by Paraduma? Paraduma? What, what, except as Paraduma, the whole Vayikra is karbonus. Paraduma is a, it's a din of a hat, It's a lumbus by Paraduma that it's a carbon. Why? Why did why why is it revealed over here that the that the death of a, of a tzaddik is like a carbon? The, the whole vaik was carbonis. Rashi explains the laws of the Pardum with us Let the mother come and clean up the mess made by her child. The paradum is the symbolic mother, atoning for our sins of worship, our sin of worshiping the uh, the golden calf, the eglazov So Rashi brings it down. In what possible symbolic respect was the paraduma mother to the golden calf Especially in light of the fact that there were many more more paradumas in the course of history Than just the one made in the desert for the the egg This is the sweetest thing he says, so unbelievable. In light of what we have said above, we can explain as follows The death of Miriam directly follows the law of paraduma Because women are compassionate And Miriam was like a mother even to Jews who were not her children not just the paradum with, with that eagle in the Midbar. It means every, every single eagle that you and I worship is the mother that worries about us. Because women are compassionate. Miriam was like a mother even to Jews who were not her children. She is an archetypal mother. And this role did not end with her death. In heaven she is still our mother, Miriam Hanaviyah. Continually arousing mercy on behalf of all Yisrael. Even for those who are not directly her descendants, just like the paradumma cleaning up after the golden calf atoning for it, even though the calf is not actually her child. Neglazov is not the child of the Listen, every, every, every Jew. To return to the original quote, the Egyptians mistreated both our fathers and us. When we cried out to God, he heard our voices. Rashi explains that our ancestors experienced pain in their graves over the suffering of Yisra'l so Rashi says that we cried out it says our ancestors cried out when Jews go through suffering in their graves our our fathers and mothers cry out this is why it says he heard our voices the Rebbe explains he heard not only the voices of the Jewish people It says It means Rashi is explaining that he heard not only our voices He heard the voices of our ancestors who were no longer alive, who were dead This is why it says He heard our voices, he heard not only the voices of the Jewish people But also the cries of our fathers and mothers Because they also feel our, feel our pain If a person does not feel compassion for Jews It is very difficult for him to pray for them it is very unlikely that his prayer will have any effect The Egyptians mistreated both our fathers and us And so our fathers also suffered and also cried out with us In addition to our voices God also heard the voices of our, father, of our fathers in heaven And he saved us but This is the Tachlis he says during these times that we're living through To know that our fathers feel our pain And they, and they, and they cry out for us And that we have to cry out for the pain of other Jews And then our feelings will also be heard and that and that Shom will bring us salvation. We should be Zaikum at Hashem. We should be Zaikum for such salvation.